Welcome to the Media Mavens Podcast, brought to you by the Evergreen Network. The Media Mavens Podcast is where you'll hear the latest and greatest trends, topics, and tribulations with industry leaders. And here is your host of the Media Mavens Podcast. She is the original Media Maven, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller, CEO of Access Entertainment and your host, for me to make this podcast. And I'm super excited that we have Jason Yim, the CEO of Trigger, here on our podcast today. What's going on, Jason? And welcome to the show. Hey, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. I love that their podcast is like the new new medium of news, but it's just their podcast, so they're not visual. You just have the most badass painting sitting behind you. Ah, right that, that's from one of our uh, old art directors, Eduardo. That's, uh, that's his personal work. He's super talented. But it's amazing. But this is so exciting. We were just chatting. And, and I know we want to talk about Trigger. I know I've got a tremendous background in mixed media. But you know I'm going to very quickly hone in on The Mandalorian because that was my best COVID binge ever. But like, you know, I know you ran Media Revolution. You've been around in the multimedia space for how long now? Oh, man. we uh, I graduated like this is going to date me so much, but like I graduated in 96 from UCLA and we started a, a few friends and I started a small agency, actually just doing websites, like internet stuff, like uh, the worst name ever is called Epic Communication Design <laughs> Incorporated. Our logo, it's looking not, back, it's, it's ridiculous. It's not like bad. <laughs> we we're, not, so, so we're not dating ourselves because of when we graduated and started. We're dating ourselves when we look at logos that were like, Oh, you on drugs? What were you thinking? It looks like so old. No, it wasn't that long ago. It's just things have evolved in everything. That's so fun. Okay, we're not going to age you here. Okay, a year in, we started another company called Media Revolution. Hans Zimmer was our, one of our business partners there, and then our major investor. Media Revolution even sounds familiar because we're a PR firm. We're in the tech and media space. Why yeah. does that sound familiar? What What is Media Revolution? We did a lot of film marketing. So we were kind of one of the first kind of film marketing agencies out there on the digital side. We did a lot of advert gaming, you know, big flash websites that uh, won a lot of awards, but for the for the big summer movies and stuff. And then started to get into mobile, but I left that. Started Trigger. Trigger. The name comes from. I should have pulled the trigger a long time ago, but uh, you know that you know, but you know that is absolutely a brilliant name because yeah. there is a very true, honest meaning behind it. You know, and and the crazy thing is, like now that we're hundred percent focused in XR and AR, like everyone thinks the name Trigger kind of that was the reason why we came up with the name because of because of AR, like using the physical world to trigger this like digital experience on top of it. But it all comes back from kind of like work frustration, basically, and wanting to you know leave some of constraints and, and and do my own thing. I love it. I love that people just make the assumption it's a like a tech name or something cool and trendy, and you're just like. You got to pull the trigger eventually and launch your company. I do love the raw, true meaning of the name. And I think it's like <laughs> a lot of CEOs and entrepreneurs. It's like our big thing as a PR firm is telling our startups, you know, you got to pull the trigger. You just can't sit there and say, oh, well, I don't want our competition knowing. I don't want any of our competition seeing what we're doing. And they stay like in the closet. They stay hidden down so long. By the time they come out, it's too late to leave. They're never going to leave because they just were so paranoid. You got to put a stake in the ground and just, Pull the trigger and go because you've got to lead an agency, you got to lead a company, you got to lead an industry. You can't do that if you're paralyzed about who is out there and who's going to look at what you're doing, who may take it from you or coach the same clients. That's a, that's not leadership. Leadership is 
pushing the envelope, getting aggressive, and getting out there and doing what you do best. And like Trigger is a great example. The whole ARVR industry, it's injury, has just blown up. And we talked about this right before the podcast. There's so many good things, Jason, that's come out of COVID. I mean, I'm talking about the business side. Hunker down, realize where the demand was, focus on the technology, the R&D. You had a... I don't know how bad this sounds, but with all due respect to the universe, you had a really good year because you really pushed ahead with the company all last year since COVID because you were able to focus on the technology. And I know, have you, you guys are launching some new products or you've advanced a lot since 2019, correct? Yes. I mean, like it, it was a lot of it was, of course, you know, we're an agency that we're very dependent on, on our clients. So we, as Trigger, we have 200,000 plus hours in, in AR, XR, 10 plus years, 200 plus deployed projects. So we, we've been in this space for a very, very long time. And our primary kind of pillars of clients are entertainment, sports, you know, okay, fan engagement, and then uh, e-commerce. So in during the pandemic, obviously, like the entertainment side was quite difficult because all the live events got canceled and, and movies got pushed back and stuff. But the sports and the e-commerce side, the innovation there, like it was, it just skyrocketed because the sports guys, you know, they, they couldn't just push their events down. They needed to, in order for them to have any kind of revenue, they needed to actually keep their events going. So of course they, they did all the stuff like the NBA bubble and stuff like that, but they also innovated in terms of how to engage uh, their fans. So things that like for us, you know, maybe they were thinking about XR or AR stuff a little further down the road. Suddenly with a the pandemic, they needed to sort it out right now. You know, they needed some way to get fans to feel like they were actually at the event. Some, you know, more of that affinity and, and, and energy that a uh, normal digital media can't do. And then the same thing for uh, e-commerce. Like everyone, the big benefit for us was like, not only like the, the growth of e-commerce, but the fact that like so many people that weren't used to doing any kind of e-commerce or suddenly forced to, you know, do their grocery shopping online, you know, buying, you know, more stuff through Amazon, but also strangely enough, being super familiar with using QR codes because now every single time they went out, it was touchless. You had to scan the QR code to look at a menu. I, okay. So, so I, so my biggest thing on tech was, I mean, cause it was, so my book came out, it was on business success and my whole thing was about, you know, in order to thrive and survive, you've got to lean more on tech. People were so scared of it. But when I, because I always love the QR codes. And when I started seeing every restaurant, there's no more menus. I, I get the reasons why it's just QR codes. People were just so like, well, what is that? How do you do this? And I was laughing my ass off the times I did go out before we did a total shutdown. Because I'm like, finally, somebody's leaning on tech to make it easier and more efficient. And I was so excited. I was curing everything. Because like I'm always talking about lean more on tech. We are so behind. And I, it, I mean, it sucks. But I was so happy for every single business who'd used a QR code to drive business. It was the most brilliant thing these guys could have done. They should have adapted this technology so long ago. But like, I was happy to see it. But I think it, like it, yeah. It's like a, it's an enabler kind of tech for us. Like it, for us, it allows us to launch AR through web AR just from, you know, retail locations. You can scan it off of a poster, scan it off of a menu and launch AR directly from there. 
but people, another big... but people don't use it though. I mean, like, is it, do you think, I mean, being a tech guy, like do you, and a media guy, do you think this like a barrier to entry? Because we've had QR codes for a long time and most people don't want to pull up their phones and use it. Do, is it a educational thing of what do we do with that weird little thing? What is a QR code? Or do you think it's just kind of ease of use, laziness? People just don't want to be bothered to open up and snap one more thing. I mean, there, there's, because we don't use QR codes as much as we should. I mean, what do you think? There's like a barrier to, to well, that. There was, a, there was definitely a technical barrier. Like a few years ago, you you couldn't just do it on your phone. I mean, you had to, you have your, your iPhone or your Android phone, but you had to like, on the iPhone, you had to download a QR code viewing app oh, in order for yeah. your camera to actually see it. And now that it's embedded into the camera itself on every phone, basically, then then all that friction's gone, right? You just point your phone at it and then it kind of works. So I would just laugh when the waiters would be and people would sit there and have to explain how to use it and then they're looking at your phone and it pops. I don't know. I just the whole text out of adaption of QR codes during COVID cracked me up. But I read an article and I don't remember where I read this or heard it from, but I know 37%, like the internet sales through COVID increased 37% because wow. everybody was at home, whether it was, you know, look at all the streaming, look at Everything that's come out, you know, Netflix, Amazon, Disney Plus, look at everything, Peacock, because we now have to stream. We now, I mean, you know, Amazon and Zoom are just blowing up. They're untouchable. Everybody was ordering, doing stuff. I mean, it's amazing. 30, I think it was an excess of 37% increase in the first quarter or second quarter alone of online and internet activity and, and shopping and purchasing. Yeah, and luckily, like some of our, uh, we do a lot, a lot of work with Verizon and other telcos. So that was another kind of industry, of course, that that lifted yeah. through the pandemic, you know, because of the usage, like you're saying. So we were lucky that we were kind of able to to, to shift and take advantage of some of those things. Nice. Hey, let's talk about some important stuff here. Okay, so I know it's all entertainment. I know sports. I mean, and I know we had a few big sports guys on the podcast, and we work with a lot of sports teams and on the tech side of everything. And I know the big issue was them was how do we keep fans engaged? How do we keep them involved? They can't go into the game. You know, we're not playing, but now that people are playing, people need to come back. But sports fans were rabid fans. So people were using whatever they could to stay attached to their teams. I know the sports side was trying to adapt to technologies as much as they could, new media to keep the content flowing and everything. So I think that's tremendous that you kind of, were able to be that catalyst for that. But like more importantly, you worked on Mandalorian. You guys have Mandalorian. Like that was my favorite binge show. I was not a Star a Star Wars fan, but I could not get enough of Mandalorian. What's that like? What did you guys can we talk about what you did with them? Yeah. So we've actually worked with Lucasfilm for well, like 12 years now or something like that. We started with them doing the web games and you know Flash stuff, simple things like that. But since then, we've actually become kind of like their AR shop. Uh, so for the past three movies, we've done kind of big AR builds into the official Star Wars site, Star Wars app itself. So where you can, when a new movie comes out, you can actually see the characters life-size in your room. We had landmark-based AR where you could see uh, giant Star Destroyers floating over the Eiffel Tower or you know Grand Canyon or whatever big locations we have and stuff. So They've really been a early adopter on, on the AR side for us as a client. And then with Mandalorian, also a few movies back, we did a collaboration with Google. Google did their AR stickers on their phone. And then the Star Wars stickers were 
their most popular set. And we got to work on that. So Google approached Lucasfilm. Lucasfilm brought us in because we had so much familiarity with AR and, and with animating their characters. So we were kind of the developer for the content there. In this case, for The Mandalorian, they came to us, Google came to us on the 3D content side. There's another developer, I think called Jam3, that actually did the coding. And then Google is the, is the big partner because it's on, on their phone. So, but it's super fun for us. Like it's a, you know, it was think about the, the, the best scenes, like the best moments that could be, you know, recreated in AR. And, and our guys are all, of course, film geeks. So they yeah. love every, every moment of that storyboarding out and picking is it, out. Was it only on, is it only on Google or is it also on iPhone? That's on, that was for a pixel watch. It's only on Google. Phone. So I could go into Google, open it up and I could just be anywhere in the Mandalorian universe. That that's just crazy, and Baby Yoda. Yeah, <laughs> that's so amazing. Now, okay, so you guys, but you guys do have some. Consu- I know you have some consumer stuff. I mean, Hawken Doss's sixtieth birthday. Well, what what was up with that? Is that how recent was that? That was ice cream fans everywhere. Yeah, I think that was uh, last year. Well, yeah, I believe the last year. COVID. What did yeah. can you can you walk us through how that works and who and how can people get to that and what to do with that? So that was really interesting project for us. Like it was actually on packaging, which was really exciting. So a lot of the uh, ice cream containers were marked 60th anniversary, and they had a snap code on the container itself. And then you could actually scan it either at the grocery store or at home, and then would, you could launch this basically this recreation of their first little ice cream shop. And you can actually step inside, try different flavors and, and get information about it and stuff. So super successful for them, like some great stats. But the exciting thing for us, I think, was, again, the user behavior of like scanning something, you know, in store now, starting to become kind of uh, normalized uh, and popular that you're building up that expectation that if you're going to scan something, you're going to get a powerful experience, something that you want. You know, that's kind of something really good with, um, you, I'm assuming you did Ghostbusters during Halloween, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. And that was kind of the same thing with the haunted candy. Yeah. So that one was instead of just seeing, um, just a visualization of a store, the Ghostbusters one for our candy, you actually played a game. So the, the Slimer would actually fly around your room in AR and you would actually have to try to catch it with your, it's with your phone. Like in AR. Pokemon meets AR live <laughs> on your phone. Yeah, with, with like the Ghostbusters energy beam, like from the classic movie, trying, trying to catch it and bring it down into the ghost trap for everyone who's... who's that is... In, there's this, what was it, 29 times for prisoners. It's this amazing wine vineyard. And I know Snoop Dogg, the new bottle out is with Snoop. Yeah. And you kind of take your phone and you snap it and it pulls up, you know, who the prison was, the whole story, the behind it. And it's all interactive on the wine buzz I'm talking about. Yes, totally. Yeah. Crimes. And it's, I, they were one of the first ones to adapt to that kind of AR, that visual way back when. So when, when COVID hit like a year ago, actually in March, I was actually up in Oregon. I opened and keynoted the 2020 wine marketing and tourism conference. Mm-hmm. And my whole keynote was all about experiential utilizing AR, VR, leaning on, which is interesting. It was like leaning on tech to really, you know, for consumer loyalty. From a marketing Paris standpoint, which is weird that I went down that path literally on March 7th, came back, landed two days later in a zombie land of, oh my God, what is going on? Where is everybody? It was just weird. And then all of a sudden, okay, I did the keynote. And then the whole world was like in this weird lockdown mode. And so I feel like with hindsight, like I, that was my keynote as we were locking down. And I would, we were talking about some of these companies like, 
the vineyards who are using all this technology. There's a few other ones out of London. And they just, the whole virtual, Chandel Mano was doing one of them. They did all the AR VR. So you're in a virtual vineyard, a virtual world. And they have killed it in sales. And some of these smaller vineyards are like, well, you know, we're not a big vineyard. We're not one, we're not the big guys like Shandon. We can't put the money in. But there's so many avenues to like engaging your consumers through AR and VR that's not going to cost millions of dollars. And what I loved about it, it was weird because the vineyards are the first ones to really publicly adapt to what you're doing. Same thing we do with um, Hagendoss. And, you know, on the Ghostbusters, they were doing this a year or two ago before you know, anybody knew what was going on. And, and one of the biggest things is when brand, brand loyalty, and we talked about this in the sports guys, you have to have the backstory in order to really keep your consumers happy. They are loyal to the brand when they know the backstory, when they can engage, when you can engage your customers into your brand, into the story. That's loyalty. They're never going to leave. They're not just a flat purchase. They're actually embroiled in the stories behind the stories of how you got to where you are. And I just think that is the most brilliant step forward for consumer brands. I mean, I know movie theaters, you know, it's a movie. You want to be embroiled in the storylines, but I feel for consumer brands adapting to multimedia and to what you're doing is such a pivotal point to success for these brands to lead and gain new market share. Yeah. I mean, like the, the, the big difference is like, you know, like normal media is trying to like really interrupt your experience. You know, you're watching a show, you're totally into a documentary and then they some they try to throw in an ad that's like basically taking your attention and, and driving it elsewhere. You know, yeah. like I think with AR, the fact that it's completely contextual, it, it either appears in the right place, in the right location, or it's appearing over a specific product. Like the, the user's already kind of in that frame of mind and you're, you're just kind of funneling it and, and driving it forward. So that's why we're seeing like really great conversion numbers in, in e-commerce. It's anywhere from like two times to 11 times, you know, non-AR experiences to actually convert for an item of sale. I was just going to ask you all the, the difference between flat advertising versus the um, immersive experience. There's got to be a huge... Was there a bigger jump in 2020? that you guys saw due to COVID because people had the time or did you see that jump just because people were stuck at home and needed to be entertained more? I think there's definitely a jump. And I think like it's, it's a, it's a jump that's like not about just entertainment. It's a jump about utility, you know? So the thing that's actually slowing down the industry is, is not so much. I think the stats and everything is there. Everybody wants to do it. Everyone, everybody wants to take their entire inventory, turn it into 3d and then, Post it up because it's, it converts sales a lot better than 2D. The problem is like there's a lot of work turning your inventory into something that's 3D yeah. and viewable. So that's slowing everything down. And a lot of industries are not tech companies, right? So you can go to certain types of companies, like a car company, ask for a 3D model, and, and then that's fairly simple. That's part of their day to day process. But if you go to like a clothing company, a candy company, having a 3D asset, like no one would even know, you know. Like it's, it's a harder road to kind of find and build that. But the other thing too is just like we're finding that the, the exciting thing is the consumer expectation is starting to go up too. Once you've tried it, like we just did a home renovation and I just went to go buy some furniture and so used to being able to place furniture and checking out the size, life size in my room that when you get to a shop that doesn't do that, that you have to look at a piece of furniture, but you only have like an image this big on your phone to make a, well, whatever yeah. high value decision, it's 
it feels strange. It feels kind of ridiculous. Like it's like someone having an e-commerce store, but they only have black and white photos. Well, it's you know? because you have to make a pur- you have to make a purchase, and you want to make sure the size, the fit, the color. Because the worst thing, the biggest issue is having to return stuff on a constant basis. And it's just difficult at times. Like the fact that more consumer branded stores on the beauty civil are adapting to this technology. I must, I mean, yes, there's an, an upfront investment in it. There's that barrier to understanding the technology, explaining it. But once you know your market, once you know the buying habits, that to me is a brilliant sales tool to yeah. sell, to upsell, to cross sell. I think. I want to go where I can have that interactivity so I know I am confident in my purchase versus going somewhere else, like you said. And I'm on my screen. I'm looking. I'm trying to visualize will that fit in my house. I mean, there's got to be there that barrier to entry of shopping has been there. That has to open up more knowing that the technology is out there. I mean, that is a sales tool at the very end of the day. It's an interactive, immersive experience. I have a hard time believing most companies like furniture, no matter what, you know, clothes, why would you not do that? And I know some of the clothing, there's some AI out there on on-site clothing. You could actually do the visuals, but they're just not, they're just not quite where they should be to utilize this technology. So, and, and I, and I understand it's an easier barrier to entry for tech companies. They're tech savvy. I think for the consumer branded companies, it's hard to get their head wrapped around this. Yeah, I, I do think that like they will start getting a lot of consumer pressure, and then the companies that do it first are going to get so much more success. Yeah, it will. They they will pull everyone else. I mean, there's it's like being on the smartphone, right? Like the the companies that didn't adapt fast enough, like they they disappeared very quickly, even if they were leaders in that particular segment. You know, so the same thing's going to happen with, with with AR and this kind of transition into the the spatial digital world. So. I feel like COVID. I mean, and I hate that we always talk about this pandemic in every conversation for over a year and a half, but it's fortunate and unfortunate. Every pivot, every right turn, left turn has been unfortunately because of this pandemic. But like, you know, whether you turn right or left, which way you go, there's been some amazing success. And I do feel like because of this, that is pushing technology faster and further ahead into the industry that never adapted it because they had no choice or do you feel it's just a better time to get their attention to how to sell oh we definitely saw it as a there was this moment of time that just accelerated innovation across so many different industries for survival you know yeah like um and i think the the thing is like once you teach the consumer that behavior and they see the benefits of it like even as covid you know that hopefully knock on wood starts starts diminishing and slipping away like that that user behavior doesn't go you know yeah. they, they they've seen the convenience of it they, they want more of it they want more because they realize how easy and intuitive it is so they don't have to waste as much time driving around researching it's it makes it your buying decisions easier but like so let me ask you like a question like what do you see coming out of this i mean is there any new innovation and technology that you feel because of where we've been is going to come to the market much quicker. I mean, I think like for us, we're really excited about the e-commerce space. Like, so we know, like I said, we know it works on the conversion side. So at the bottom of the funnel, we know it can help make better sales. And we know everyone is going to start adopting that piece. The piece that's interesting for us is kind of going higher up that funnel because 
can we do something that's a uh, super engaging, uh, communicate the brand story, not, not only make the transaction easier, but really sells the, builds the affinity, you know, draws people in and then drives a person all the way through to the shopping. So for instance, uh, we just did TikTok's fashion show for fashion week. So this was, it wasn't AR. It was all on the TikTok platform. It was all video. It was one hour long. They had three music artists. They had all these designers, both TikTok designers and also professional. Wait, was it, was this the runway labyrinth project you did? Okay. And that was like, that was just recently. Yeah. Very recent. So that just shows like, that's, that's the top of the funnel, right? Like you can do something spectacular like that on, on a big platform like TikTok, drive a lot of user attention, you know. But then from there, can you pass them into that seamlessly into, into this purchase funnel that's also kind of like enhanced with XR and, and AR as well? Okay, so this is so funny. So not really funny, but whatever. We've ran a few big runway shows. I mean, we're PR from an event room. So we've ran some of the big LA fashions and some New York fashion. We did one Paris one. We did a stupid three-day one at Coachella before COVID. And the big thing when we struggle with, with, an, with the LA FW ones it was like, you know, that 3D, that immersive experience it was like, what, two, three years ago when that immersive 360 was, ooh, the cool big thing and streaming. And I was always struggling on these shows that we produced around one race four because my issue was, you know, you're writing the buyers, you're writing the VIPs, the influencers, but there's no way to know where to get that. I remember it was like five, six years ago. Remember when the consumer side, when retail was trying to do the whole, if you're looking online or yep. looking anywhere, you can click your mouse and it pulls up an image from a magazine or an article or a story where Reese Witherspoon or Haley Bailey, you know, where somebody was wearing that cute little skirt or top, you could click and that shopping experience pops up. Oh, Haley Reese or whatever, you know, oh, they purchased that little top or Brittany purchased that weird little skirt at this store or that store. And this is where it's at. Remember how they were trying to do yeah. that whole thing? Then it failed because nobody really could figure out how to see that through. My big thing on the runways was there has to be a way for people around the world to get in, to view, to see what's going on. Because you're not invited. And I know this for a fact. You are not invited to sit on runways unless you're a buyer, you're press, or you know, you're a guest of the designers or a manufacturer. There's just no way to get on these shows. But these are our new lines, spring, summer, fall, winter. We should be letting the masses see what's yeah. coming out so they could pre-sell, pre-order, and look into it. And none of the fashion industries have ever, any of the shows have ever adapted to that technology because we were fighting here in LA to adapt that so we could stream it live around the world so anybody could log in, whether it was a, you know, a paper play or whatever, could see what's on the runways, see who the designers are, and nobody would ever adapt to that. That was like it was insane to me that they were not thinking ahead. They weren't tech savvy. They couldn't understand the long term play of the financial trajectory on this. And it was the nobody would adapt to that. So, but then again, like you said, you had a tremendous platform of TikTok who was able to handle that kind of immersive world, or that wasn't available years ago. So I'm kind of wondering if it's like. The industry is not adapting to technology still because they don't understand it, or is it that now that the technology is there, it's just bridging the gap because this is kind of where our future is going? Like this is kind of my thought process on hope because I know the fashion from the inside out on that side and the sports right. side, 
So I can't really talk to other industries. But is this, like Jason, a correct, accurate statement? Or do you think there's something more to it of why we aren't moving quicker into this direction? I mean, I think that there's just, it's like, there's so many moving parts. There's so many, there's, you know, you need TikTok, which has like the user base and, and the social group. You need the brains. You need the AR tech to, to make it all work. So that there's a lot of things that pull together at this early stage because it's kind of all bespoke to get it to work. Versus later on, maybe some of this becomes a, a lot easier that, that, you know, brands can do it by themselves. But right now, like you need kind of a, either a very tech board, innovative brand that wants to try this out and go through the pain of connecting all these yeah. things together and making it work. Or it's going to come from tech companies like TikTok that they know what their consumers like. They know what kind of content that they're looking for. So they're willing to take that risk. Yeah. And they'll go out and find the brand and they'll, they'll do it different. Like they, they probably approach it kind of like what you're saying. Like traditional fashion shows are for the fashion industry, you know, way early lead that no one can actually buy anything from. And it's, it's like inside kind of experience. Let's do something that's completely consumer immediate facing, right? Like all their consumers are instant gratification. It's not about waiting. Oh, I saw something now and then six months later, I get to buy it at the store. They want it right now. We were very much following their lead and their vision of what would engage their consumers. And they were super smart. Like it wasn't only big outside designers. They brought in TikTok influencers who were also designers. It wasn't all, you know, your typical, you know, New York run runway models. Yeah. They actually had a lot of influencers modeling the clothes. They had the WNBA players modeling the clothes. Nice. So they they know how to like, you know, these are these are people that are interesting and topical that our people want to see. Well it's because the, they have you have to do you have to do the look at the studies and the research on consumer behaviors, consumer behavior patterns. It is an immediate like satisfying. I mean, you need immediate gratification. If I see a really amazing pair of shoes in a magazine, I'm and I used to, and I swear I'm gonna admit this. I used to make the call to the store. Oh, well, that's next season, but you're in like March, April, May's like magazine of L magazine. Yeah, but it's not coming to next fall. Okay, well, when? Well, I don't know. Put you on the list. And then like August, September. Okay, where is it? Where is it? Well, we only had three or four of that exact pair. It's not really available, but we have all these other pairs, different colors and patterns. No, no. I wanted that a one, that one. Yeah. And it's just like, and I just, but you have such a long lead time with print ads and stuff toward this immersive experience. It kind of cuts down that long lead ad cycle. To what's going on and it's more available. And I don't know, is that going to enhance and help the ad agencies or is that going to scare the shit out of them? Because they know their long lead books, there's going to be way too much coming in and undercutting them because it's more immediate that they could get access to. I mean, do you think this is going to have a negative play on the long lead advertising who are just traditional media? I think every everything will play its role. You know, maybe the long lead stuff is more like you're saying about brand storytelling, building up anticipation and stuff. But like, you know, hopefully more funds go towards this kind of, you can actually prove a lot more ROI, you know, because we can actually yeah. tie it into direct sales. And there's also a lot more that AR can do too that really kind of caters to that. So we, we can do experiences that are further down the road that are about fitting, right? So things like furniture, you know that it fits in your room using AR. You can do the same thing. You can start doing the same thing with clothing. So before you buy something, you're obviously now you can try on sunglasses, you can try on shoes, you can start trying on clothes. Yeah. Amazon has a has a solution for fitment for for clothes, so that when you 
buy the t-shirt, it's your exact size. And that's all using, you know, some, some XR stuff too. And then also the idea of like using that for social shopping, like being able to connect with your friends, you know, as you're going through that same process. So, you know, before it's like going to the mall, maybe social, but when you shop online, when it's a list based, you know, when, when you're on Amazon, you're kind of just scrolling by yourself. XR is going to change that, you know, it will bring the social shopping side into the e-commerce side as well. Yeah. I love what you're doing. I just love the technology and how like you're just, you guys are so good at thinking further ahead of where we are today or tomorrow to what's going to work and what's not going to work. And it's just, you guys have done such a tremendous job at Trigger. You know, before you wrap up, is there anything new coming out or that we could look forward to seeing from you and Trigger in this next like six months or before the year is out? Any changes? Yeah, the, the big announcements for us, like uh, actually that, that have recently happened. One is that um, Niantic, who makes Pokemon Go, you know, the largest AR experience in the world. We are actually part of their uh, Lightship program. So they're announcing, they just announced that it's basically their ARDK, which is the technology powering Pokemon Go. They're going to start using it with letting brands and other partners use that tech. And we're one of the early explorers, one of the first developers that are allowed to create with that SDK. So that's super exciting for us because basically it's it's going to us going to our existing client base and saying, would you like to use the code that was used to make Pokemon Go for your own experiences? And then yeah. of course the answer is yes. You know, so and I think the the stuff that they've shown us and we've been able to play with it is an evolutionary leap. I think we're so used to AR and it's still impressive for consumers now like being able to see something in in your world. But what Niantic is doing is just adding this level of intelligence and contextual awareness of the space around you, plus multiplayer that you can't get out of the box anywhere. So it's going to raise that AR experience for everybody. That's amazing. Where can I, like, you know, and we have so entertaining consumer brands. You guys are clearly a B2B play. Where can some of these companies go to find more information on the projects you've done, kind of the services and what you guys are doing over at Trigger? Yeah, if you go to TriggerXR.com, that's our website. It has most of everything up there. Look look at our work page. That has a lot of our, our recent projects. How, how big is the company? How big is Trigger now? So we are just under 50. We have... Uh, are they mostly developers or...? We have a lot of developers. And then we have project managers slash producers. And then we have a large creative team as well. So... I mean, that's one thing that when you look at our portfolio, it's, it's very, it's a lot of high profile projects and clients, but people are equally coming to us for our kind of technical chops and be able to build very complicated things, as well as our creative chops, being able to take a Star Wars IP or Spider-Man or, you know, something that's like really precious and make sure that we deliver it uh, appropriately too. Nice. How can anybody reach you directly? You can just email me at jason at triggerxr.com. Okay. That's uh-huh. nice to find you. Yeah. Oh, and I also do want to mention like another big thing for us this year to look out for is, uh, again, we were working with uh, Verizon as one of the big telcos. They just invited us to join the Global XR Content Telco Alliance as a content partner. So that's six telcos from around the world. There's like uh, Verizon in the US, Bell Canada, Orange in France, China Telecom, KDDI Japan, LGU Plus in South Korea, uh, who's leading this whole thing. And then uh, Chunghua Telecom in Taiwan. They're all coming together to create XR content. As uh, a congratulations. That's huge. I mean, you guys are you're kind of like past the startup phase now, but that's still <laughs> a great platform. When you know, you saw the news that um, Verizon sold Verizon Media back yeah. to Yahoo. So Yahoo's some of our Verizon executives that we've worked with are like 
transitioning over to the Yahoo side now. So there's so much going on in the industry after COVID. It's going to be a crazy rest of the year. It's definitely like this rising tide, you know, like I, I think that like, again, we've been doing this for 10 plus years. So like the amount of preparation we've done kind of to capitalize on this moment and like the, to really take advantage of this opportunity, like it, it's a lot of, it's a lot of blood and sweat from the, from the team, from our, our teams for sure. Yeah. But it, you know, that's always a good testament to the leadership behind the company. You've done such a tremendous job leading this company. So it's good to see, you know, having you on the show today and looking forward to what's coming up from you guys as well. Thank you. It was uh, my pleasure. It was so good having you on, Jason. So excited to see more stuff coming from, from Trigger. So definitely keep us posted as things unroll out, roll out through the rest of the year. But until then, thank you for being on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. This is Sarah Miller with Media Mavis Podcast. And we'll see everybody next week with more great leadership. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Media Mavens Podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or download past episodes, subscribe to the Media Mavens Podcast on your favorite podcast provider or on the Evergreen Podcast Network. To learn more about the podcast or our guests, log on to www.mediamavenspodcast.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.